All you guys know, right, when you come on a rainy day, you get extra credit. Yeah, a star on the fridge for all of us today. So thank you for being here. And let's thank our band again for leading us in some worship. One of the things I like to do when I wake up in the morning, it's one of the first things I go to, is to find myself a nice, hot cup of coffee. Just curious, how many of you start your day off with a cup of coffee? Raise your hand, be honest, okay. That's the majority of us here. If you're not addicted yet, don't do it. I made it all the way to my second child. Once I had my second child, I had to have coffee to make it through the day. And now, as I've progressed on my coffee journey, I'm on the dark side. So I really don't drink just regular coffee. I can't do it. I drink espresso, okay? Not espresso, it's espresso, okay? Espresso is basically like taking concentrated coffee and injecting it into your veins. It gets into the bloodstream quicker, it's efficient, you just boom, it's down, it's gone, and then you have that power, that energy to take on whatever life deals your way. So espresso, coffee, right? It's our, our go-to in the morning. We have a lot of go-tos you know, in, in life as we go throughout our day. We have an issue, a financial problem or administrative problem, an employee problem. We have people or things or books or principles that we often go to. And then we have those moments in our lives, sometimes there are seasons when things are not going our way when our circumstances have so radically changed that we literally feel surrounded by problems no matter where we turn. Have you, have you noticed when life gets bad, it, it doesn't just get a little bit bad. It doesn't just hit one area. It hits there and there and there. And many times we feel literally surrounded by problems, surrounded by pain, and all these emotions of anxiety and worry and fear bubble up inside. And that's the real question that we will talk about today is, what do you go to or where do you go to when you feel like you're surrounded? Because there are some healthy places We'd like to say that's a healthy choice. There are some healthy places that you can go to. And then there are some destructive places, destructive things that you can go to that will lead you down a very dark spiral. So today, we're going to listen to our hero who was too familiar with both destructive and constructive ways of going to in life. We just read his book and his, his chapter in Psalm chapter three. We're talking about David. David, the singer, songwriter, shepherd, king, MMA giant slayer, sinner, David. Here's what he writes. He says in verse one, Lord, how many are my foes? 
How many rise up against me? Many, many are saying of me, God will not deliver him. What's going on in David's life? What's going on in his world? He is surrounded possibly by thousands of people who literally want to take his own life. Many people are mocking him. They're saying David is simply getting what he's deserved because of the infidelity, because of the chicanery, because of the things he's done in his past. And there's no way God is gonna come through for him. And he feels surrounded. He's wondering where to go. He's wondering what to do. And he is at this time and in this work in Psalm 3, he's assessing the rugged realities of his life and his world. He's projecting out, have you ever done this, the what if scenarios? What if this, what if that, what if, what if, that's where David is. And what's happened a little bit more specifically to him is that his son, Absalom, has rebelled against him. Absalom wants to try to throw his dad off the throne. David is king. And Absalom now has literally gathered an army of people against David, against the king. He has stormed Jerusalem and he has kicked David out. So David in Psalm chapter three is writing this as he is on the run, hiding out from his very own son. David knew firsthand like many of us know firsthand, the greatest pain in life is family pain. Family pain, turmoil, conflict, struggle, confusion hits us the hardest when it's at home or in our deeply personal relational world. And when that pain hit, just like it hit David and it hits us, we toss and turn and go through many sleepless nights. We lie in our bed and our mind races and worries and we're unable to sleep. And that's why we need espresso. No, and that's what <laughs> happens to us in, in real life, in the real world. We all know that. In David's case, he's got a vocational pain and problem as he's about to lose his job. He has an existential uh, human crisis that someone could literally take his life and assassinate him. And then he has the deepest wound out of all that is not him losing his kingdom. It's not him, him even losing his life. It's him losing his family, losing his very son. It's the betrayal. It's betrayal. And if you live long enough in this life, you will be betrayed. Betrayal is brutal. It's one of the most brutal experiences we have to endure in this life. Cain betrayed Abel. Jacob betrayed Esau with a bowl of soup. Judas betrayed Jesus with a kiss. You can only be betrayed by people that you love, people that you are in relationship with. 
Arthur Miller, who was once married to Marilyn Monroe, I said that so the guys would wake up, said this, <laughs> betrayal is the only truth that sticks. David's on the run. His enemies have surrounded him. His very own son has rebelled against him. He's betrayed. What does he go to? We know a little bit about David's past, don't we? He went to a dark place, a destructive go-to. Bathsheba.com didn't work out so well. He's experiencing the ramifications, the negative consequences of that decision in many ways. There's so many destructive go-tos in the world we live in today, isn't it? Vaping, drinking, porn, Shopping, gambling, all different things and places and substances that are too familiar to David and familiar to us, really. Where do you go to when you feel surrounded like he did? Where's David going to go? David, God's not going to answer you. You're, you're getting what you deserve. Now, David... Listen, he's a, he's a, you know, just a, an enigma wrapped up in a riddle, right? I mean, how do you get your mind and your heart and your theology around David, right, Pastor? How, how do you do that? It's kind of, if you think about it too long, it kind of messes with you. So we're not going to do that today. We'll save that for another Sunday. But David, despite all the great, wonderful, heroic things that he did, David is the man. He's trending, okay? And then he is down in the dumps and made some stupid, horrific decisions in his life. But one thing David did, and this is why I think that David is called a man after God's own heart, is because David kept pursuing God. He kept pursuing God. David didn't live in denial of what he had done and the harm and the pain. David kept pursuing God. Look at verse three. He says, despite all this, despite of the fact that I'm being betrayed, despite of the anger, the worry, the anxiety, but you, O Lord, are a shield around me, my glory, the one who lifts my head on high. I call out to the Lord. He answers me from his holy mountain. I, this is amazing here. I lie down and sleep. How difficult is that? You're surrounded literally by an army of people who are gonna take your life. Your son has betrayed you. There's family turmoil all around you. But somehow when David pursued God and realized and remembered God is my shield, God's helped me before and God is gonna come through with his grace and his mercy. He was able to sleep, sleep. It's so tough to sleep when you're going through 
crisis, when you're going through a turmoil or a problem and you feel surrounded, but David was able to sleep because he cried out to God. Look at verse five again. I wake again because the Lord sustains me. He sustains me. I will not fear. I will not fear, though tens of thousands assail me on every side. Verse seven, arise, Lord, deliver me, my God. Strike all my enemies on the jaw and break the teeth of the wicked. I told you he's a cage fighter. From the Lord comes deliverance. May your blessing be upon your people. David, as he's surrounded, David, as he's on the run, David, as he's glancing back at the city of Jerusalem, he sees that mountain, Mount Moriah, but he realizes God is still with me. I'm going to seek God. He is going to be my shield. He's going to protect me. He's going to deliver me. I'm not going to fear for my life. I'm not going to fear for my family. I'm going to turn it all over to God and watch and wait for his rescue. Now, I want to say this, parenthetically, it wasn't like he was some passive guy, right? I'm just going to, I'm just going to wait here, you know, until Jesus, abracadabra, hocus pocus, just fixes everything. No, he had a plan. He left the capital. He had his soldiers around me. They were going to engage in battle. It wasn't like he was being passive and waiting for something to kind of appear out of nothing. What he was saying is this, he was saying, in the midst of being surrounded, in the midst of this very frightening situation, in the midst of this family feud, if you would, God is still God. His deliverance is still real. His presence is still there in my life. And he sustains me, and he's going to be with me and walk through this crisis and lead me and guide me, you might say, as my shepherd. So what do we do? What do we do in our life? What do we do in our world when we feel surrounded, when the crisis is, is too big for us to, to handle, when we've lost the grip, when we're at the end of our rope? What do we do? What, what is our go-to? It's my prayer that you would make Psalms your go-to that helps you Go through whatever you face in life. Make Psalms, this book, right here in the middle of your Bible. Make Psalms your go-to that helps you go through whatever you face in life. Listen, I've been working and pastoring uh, with folks, people for almost three decades now or over that. Wow. I'm about to get some gray hair to come in because of that. 
And I've talked to so many people over the years who have been through hell and high water. And I don't know, I'm kind of a scientist. I'm kind of a curious person. And so many times when they've made it through, they're kind of on the other side. I'll ask them, how did you do it? How did you make it through that battle with cancer? And they will say, you know what? I, I went to the book of Psalms. Psalms was my go-to. How did you make it through that time of doubt when you're questioning, is God real? Is the Bible true? Is, Christ, is it all just made up? How did you make it through your time of doubt? It was the Psalms. It was my go-to that went me, got me through that season. How did you make it through that unexplicable time of catastrophic loss? They'll say, it's the book of Psalms. <laughs> Psalms is my go-to. It's my prayer. If Psalms is not one of your go-tos, man, make it your go-to. Make it your go-to. That's going to help you go through whatever you're facing in your life. Whether if you're at a, you know, DEFCOM 5 like David was, or a 4 or a 3. But go to the book of Psalms. Find a psalm that God has marked out for you. He's marked out for you. I can remember a season in my life for months and years, I stayed in this one particular psalm. When I felt surrounded, I would go to that psalm every single day. Time and time again. And the book of Psalms is, is it's really amazing, isn't it? We have a lot of people in our, in our, in our church uh, who are in counseling and therapy, but it's like Psalms is kind of like um, for some free therapy. You're right. It is because in Psalms, God gives us permission to kind of let it all out before him. God gives us permission to say and to speak out loud or write it down or in our hearts, whatever we're feeling. Because sometimes we think, I can't say that. I shouldn't say that. Psalms gives us that ability to express our raw emotions and thoughts to God. It's quite amazing. That's what David does as he works through this incredible, challenging difficulty and storm in his life. One thing we could do today and ask God to work in our lives is to pray this, I guess the first part of a prayer. And that is God reveal to me or convict me of the destructive go-tos in my life. What are you going to that you know you shouldn't be going to that is actually destructive and counterproductive to God's work in your life. Ask God to convict you of what that is so you can face that rugged reality in your own life. And whatever you do right now, I know you're tempted, don't do the holy elbow to the person on your right or left or text, I sure wish Bill was here to hear that. No. <laughs> Ask God to work in your life. It's me, it's me, it's me, oh Lord, standing in the need of prayer and repentance. You know, I used to, I grew up in the church, right? You know, I grew up in the church and all that. And sometimes you get sin, 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 sin. I was like, 
sin is bad, sin is evil. But, you know, when you're young, sin is kind of fun, right? It's, no one ever talk about that. We don't sin because it's, there's no results from it. But the bad thing about sin is that sin is like, um, it's like diet cola or diet drinks. It tastes like the real thing, but then that bloody aftertaste. It's horrible, I tell you. Okay, it's terrible. That was Jordan Peterson, by the way. So it's horrible, horrible. Sin is a type of anti-God energy. It's a form of self-abuse. David was pretty skilled at it at times. It cost him dearly. But, but God comes in and gives us room and space to change. And as a friend of mine said years ago, listen, don't, don't mistake God giving you space to repent for permission to sin. So if you're going down one of those destructive paths, if your go-to is not espresso in the Psalms, if that's not your go-to, just because you're not, the, the consequences haven't kicked in yet, don't keep going down that path. Don't wait until you hit rock bottom when God speaks to you. So the first part of the prayer will be, God, I'm laying my life up before you. My problems, I'm feeling surrounded. I've been going to this go-to. I know it's destructive. Lord, deliver me. That's part two of the prayer. God, deliver me by your mercy and your grace from this. Maybe you're going through betrayal. God, give me the ability to start releasing the forgiveness that I could only find in you. I don't feel like forgiving. I know. I know, I know. Do, do, do you ever, do we ever feel like forgiving? No. Maybe you say, God, make me willing to be willing to forgive. I don't know, just lay it out. Be honest with your own conversation and psalm unto God, but ask God to help you, to deliver you, to take away that fear, as David talks about. The Psalms is layered. The Psalms is a form of three, you know, free therapy. It's poetry. It's music. It's praise and worship and celebration. But it's also going through those dark valleys of life, the Psalms. But the Psalms also on a deeper level is always talking and pointing us to someone else, right? The Psalms is pointing. It's foreshadowing to another king, a greater king who would also be kicked out of the capital city and executed and hang on a cross. As Mocker said, God's not gonna save you, you saved others. Where is your God in this moment? He's dying on the cross and rising again to work a deliverance for you and for me. What are you going through? What do you feel surrounded by today? Go to. 
Psalms. Go to Psalms 3. Go to the God who knows you. Go to the God who sees you. Go to the God who's going to sustain you and deliver you. And give you a sense of peace in the midst of this storm and battle. A peace. So that you can sleep like a baby tonight.